ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. This is Michael J. Flores, and I'm with uh, Grand Prix Baltimore? Not Grand Prix. SCG Open. SCG Open. <laughs> Sorry. Baltimore champion Osip Levadovich. You might have heard of Osip in the past, uh, especially if you know, you're know you a frequent reader of Fetchland or a frequent listener to this podcast, because he writes preacher recaps <laughs> for yep. Fetchland. Uh, but I don't know what other reasons you might have ever heard of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you play Magic, you might have heard of me. But aside from that... In this decade... Well, yeah, I mean, I really hope my title is not now SCG Open champion, and it still can be Pro Tour champion. I think. Oh, I no, previously you won Grand Prix Orlando with a, with a Vile Affinity deck, right? I won I won Grand Prix Orlando with Vile Affinity, and I won Pro Tour Venice with Astro Slash. You won a Pro Tour? <laughs> wow. So, let me see. You won, in, in which order? You won the Pro Tour first, right? I won so, the Pro Tour first, and then I won the Grand Prix, and then the Open. I just recently so won, you, like are you, twelve years later. Are you setting? <laughs> are you setting your sights on SCG regionals? I'm basically week? going backwards <laughs> in like, my professional career. Soon you'll be able to take down uh, an F and M. Hopefully, I'll win, next I'm hoping to win an Invitational qualifier, and then an F and M would be my, yeah. you know, the final accomplishment. So, so let's, I just actually want to check the, this trajectory. You start by you start by winning Pro Tour, yeah. but you won the Pro Tour Astral side. What was the dominant deck in that format? Goblins. Goblins, yeah. not Astral Side? No, well, Astral Side was the most obvious deck, I think. Yeah. But Goblins was the most played deck at the Pro Tour. And then you won Grand Prix Orlando. That was like a joke, though, right? That was a joke. That was like a haha funny tournament. Basically, uh, Josh Ravis is like, yeah, you should play Affinity. I'm like, yeah, we liked it a lot. But he's like, you should play Aetherval in it. So I tested it. Did you play the actual physical cards I played that weekend? Did they get handed to you? No, I think I had my own. Back then, I had I used to own cards. Yeah. And I had all the affinity cards. And I was me and the rest of Target were basically the only people playing Vile Affinity. Like no, no, Herbal Holes. The previous weekend. No, but at the Grand Prix. Oh, okay. And every, and for some reason, Mark Herbal's convinced all the other top players who wanted to play Affinity to play Paradise, Paradise Mantle, Mantle instead of Vile. <laughs> so they did terribly, and it was like a clean sweep. Like it was the easiest. I won that top eight in like. 15 minutes. It was the easiest tournament I ever played in my life. So the there was a there was a card that was exactly the same as Shadowstorm, right? So it's like RR2, destroy all artifacts, but not artifact lands, right? Yeah, no, it was granulate. Yeah. So basically it was two red, two colors, destroy all artifacts with like casting cost of four or less, but non-lands. Yeah. So like a guy cast that against me in the top eight, and then I just untapped and killed him. Like it was just, it was comically <laughs> ineffective the hate that people had for Affinity at that point. Because for some reason they thought, oh, Affinity's not that good. Green, blue. Shard, crystal shard deck is way better and like it was just comically embarrassing how badly the people so, were prepared and I played the PTQ the previous weekend the only two people playing Vile Affinity in the tournament were me and Matt Baccio mm-hmm. right so we had same 75 or so I thought we had same 71 uh, and so Baccio copied my list right because we were going to play the same turn mm-hmm. deck and then he didn't tell me that I didn't register my Arcbound workers <laughs> so really? I got a match loss in round one I won the next eight obviously yeah. And then I cast a third turn Furnace Dragon for for the for the uh, uh, to, to play, playing for top eight, right? So uh-huh. I cast a third turn Furnace Dragon. But my opponent's first two turns were uh, Disciple of Alt, Disciple of Alt, so I lost the race. <laughs> so <laughs> I got someone I was like, I can't attack with my Furnace Dragon. I'm just gonna lose anyway. It was, yeah, it was the worst because I'd won eight in a row, right? Yeah. And of course, Baccio won. Right? Really? Oh, of course. Are you kidding? It was gonna yeah, be I mean, one of actually, us, right? Yeah, if you're if you're the only two people playing that deck, one of you has to win unless something went terribly wrong. Yeah, the best was because we didn't play Shrapnel Blast, right? Yeah. So I was telling everyone I didn't play Shrapnel Blast, and then you know, and they're like, "Yeah, me and Baccio on the Shrapnel Blast." And then in the finals, I can't remember who. It was. I'm just gonna say it's Chunks. I don't think I don't know if it was Chunks. Maybe it was Glasses. <laughs> Might have been Chunks. Might have been Glasses. For those of you who don't know, we had a very. It was basically like uh, Dick Tracy villains back in the day of Magic players. Like it was just comical. Actually, I think it was Glasses, right? Oh, okay. So he goes and he splits a fight. He's playing Big Red. He splits a fireball on like two creatures. Oh God, fireball! Uh, he goes he splits a fireball on like a, an Arcbound worker and an Arcbound worker or whatever, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, uh, Baccio responds by shrapnel blasting him, so that the so that the token from the one arc, arc bomb worker makes the other arc bomb worker too big to die to the fireball, and then 
And then he looks up at me, he's like, I thought you guys didn't play Shroud Blast. I'm like, yes, yeah, sideboard doesn't count. <laughs> then he, of course, kills him, right? So, like, he uses his best card to not kill the thing. Same amount of power, and he takes five, right? So, but anyway, so that was, that was 12 years ago, I think. That, that, that was, like, a, 11. I think it was 2005. 2005. Yeah. 2005. And then, um, yeah, it was a year after Bella was born. Yes, yeah. Like Bella, Bella was born in uh, on, Onslaught year. Uh, <laughs> that's how you that's keep how, track of your kids' birthdays. Well, yeah, I remember like Bella was born, and the next weekend, Brian Kibler top eighted U.S. Nationals with uh, my green white deck. That's actually <laughs> how I keep track of things. So I, was just I like, like how you're like, I remember Bella was born and when Jareth Leon and Titan was legal in standard. Oh, and then like that's how I keep track. This of is like them. literally how I think about. Like, I won the, the the 2006 state championships, and the next weekend. Clark was born. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. It's like this. It's how it's The next. second best thing to happen to you so, in a month. Um, <laughs> so it's funny. Uh, Chapin, Chapin and... Chapin and... Uh, never mind Chapin. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, but so I, I, won, I won the state championships and then, and then Clark was born. Uh, <laughs> it was like the next weekend. Um, then I didn't play Magic for a long time when I, when I had two. Okay, break. You got to relax. Yeah, yeah so, but then, then I went back to playing last year. But then, so now, so you also, you were a dum-dum. You were qualified for all the pro tours, and you just took it for granted. Was that your was that your thing? Yeah, I would say that that's probably my biggest regret, is that, like, well, when you're young and you're, like, playing, like, if you think, like, if my first three pro tours, like, my I qualified for New Orleans. That was my first pro tour. I finished in the top 16. And then my next pro tour was San Diego. I finished in the top 32. And my third pro tour was Osaka, and I top aided. So obviously, I'm like, oh, this is easy. This is easy, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I just took a lot of pro tours off. And I didn't realize that, one, when you, you don't very often have an opportunity to play with the best players in the world. Like, I, I had a great testing team. And I didn't really – you don't get that very often. So well, yeah, what like I should have done testing is – testing team, right? I mean, but they were like, you just don't have those types of guys in your corner very often. Oh, you had Eugenius. Right? I had Eugene, Turian, Cuneo. Oh, you had like, a great testing team. I had a great testing team, and I just took Pro Tours off. And, like, I wish I knew then what I knew now. I was more like, thinking you had, like, I never really took Eugenius, P. Sully. Well, yeah, we had, players too, we had right? them, but yeah, like Patrick, Adam Horvath, like we had a lot of good guys, but like obviously when we hooked up with the CMU guys, that's when we got to do really well, you know? So, um, yeah, because I, I, I kind of had like a, I mean, obviously on a smaller scale, but I was just like, to me, like, I, I, it wasn't that difficult for me to win PTQs. Like, if I wanted to try, I could pretty much qualify for the Pro Tour. But it was a grind because, like, I never did well. So I was just like, this yeah. is crappy, you know? Well, that it was like that for me before I qualified for Pro Tour. Like, yeah. it took me a while. Like, the PTQs in New York back then were really hard, you know? Yeah, and I, like, yeah, I used to win them. <laughs> but, like, I felt like it was like a, like you're, like, forging your skills in this furnace and you're getting good. And once I got to the Pro Tour, I never fell off. Like, I stayed on for, like, seven Until years. Until you just ran out of points? And until I just stopped going. Like, I, the last year was the year that Eli, uh, Yuri Peleg won. That was the last year I was oh, on was the Pro a, Tour. There was a Pro Tour in New York. It was in year. Worlds, yeah. yeah. And then I just stopped going to Pro Tours. And I would queue, I would win a Pro Tour PTQ every once in a while, but, like, I just stopped going. But I was on the train for, like, seven years consistently, just, like, doing randomly well in Pro Tours. But I, ne I feel like I never really lived up to my full potential though just because like we used to just get drunk and shit like I remember I just never I, there were pro tours where I just didn't test at all and I would just show up oh same it was like I would go wonder why we you just didn't took do it for well, granted. Right? Yeah. yeah like we just really took it for granted it was mostly just like I, I, we're er, when our early 20s we just used it as an excuse to go to random cities and drink I was a top I was literally a top 25 limited player so it's how I got qualified for the pro tour and then I didn't know how to practice for a limited pro tour. And I was just like, I can't play in any drafts because then I will damage my rating. <laughs> the rating, yeah. So then I didn't play in any practice drafts until after the pro tour invites were official. So my total practice for playing in a pro tour was two drafts. Like that... <laughs> It is crazy. That's great. Like, the mindset is insane, right? It makes right? sense like, why they changed the system. Right? Like, I, you, there, I remember people like literally, just didn't I play I in just tournaments. Like, I, I, I can't play. I, I, mean, I guess you could have... I don't understand why it didn't occur to me to draft with my friends. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. <laughs> why didn't I just draft, like, outside of a tournament? No, I was just like, oh, I, I have to... If there's no pressure, I'm going to... Yeah. But the other thing is, I wasn't, wasn't organized and stuff, like, back then. Yeah. I mean, we're, I don't know, I just felt like we're just so young, and I really envy the kids these days, like Brian Brandwin and, like, 
all these guys that like work really hard to, but they gotta to get put, good like, and stay good and like they put in so many hours. But they have to put such a disproportionate it. amount of their energy into it, right? Like I, w- but like I, I basically wish like. When I was testing with Eugene and Turian and Patrick and all those guys, I just wish I took one year and just said, I'm going to go to as many Grand Prix as I want, as I can. Oh, like Chris is doing now? Yeah, like I'm going to, I just wish I had an entire year where I just devoted to just see how good I can get. Because I never feel like I, I really put my all my effort into it to just see how good I can get. And like, there's no, ch- I, like... Chris is kind of doing it in Apicola, but like he's he, north of forty. But he, yeah, he's old. There's only so much time you can really put into it now. You know, he's got a family. Plus, it's like you don't have a team of people that you can re- rely on at this age. You know, because they're all kind of scattered, and even the people that you can talk to probably don't play as much as they used to. So, it's kind of it, I don't know if I'll ever get to a point where I'll be able to really get back into when it. You were, and, you when know. you were qualified for um, the Pro Tour, that that Hain won. Right? Didn't you? Have, yeah. You got like a. Weren't you on Cho's team? Yeah, I was on Cho's Cho team. Cho top eight. Who he top t- eighted? Uh, yeah, he made top eight. I ended up finishing like forty second at that pro tour. So like, when I have a good team, I can I can t- I can test pretty well. But the problem is, I I didn't draft. Like that that is team, it because you were worried about your rating? <laughs> <laughs> it was literally because I hate Moto. I won't draft on Moto and. Our team was basically just an email chain, so we got a good constructed deck. But like, I didn't draft with anyone. Like, there was they were in Virginia. I'm in New right, Jersey. So I'm not gonna fly and, to Virginia. You and you and Philly like live in like the same building, which is like. But five we hate from we here. hate drafting though. <laughs> we'll just play constructed. Like we play constructed a lot. Like we play we play modern matches. So, so when I uh, really yeah, like that's we we love constructed. So the animal has like all the decks in his bag. So, oh really? Like, yeah. So he oh like, yeah I I, I so, saw like, that. He he like come to my house and like we he. I, he you know, his family's in Texas or whatever, so he was, like, living in Philly, and he's just like, oh, it just came to, like, uh, Thanksgiving in my apartment once, like, one year, and he just pulls out his bag. He's just, like, every standard deck. He's like, you want to be Jess guy or Abzan? And I'm like, what? What is this? What are these it's riches? It's so much you, fun. Like, and then, like, come on. Would you, honestly, would you rather play... Would you rather do a draft with your friends or just play a bunch of matchups of like mono black versus blue green madness or something circa like 2002? Like, I mean, I'd much rather play so like classic constructed matches. I was going through all my cards recently. Draft. I was just gonna pay my kids to like help me sort my cards, mm-hmm. right? And then like sell all my bulkers and stuff. And I, th- I actually think it's probably a better use of a lot of those cards to just make, you know, the old blue green madness with circular logic and everything yeah. and then just have that deck and then like have i, I just want to have like the how much would you want to play napster again <laughs> I, i've played napster <laughs> I, I i so we had we had all the i i had all i don't know if you remember this i had all the flores decks once like i actually saw most of them i, I was gonna the ask about decks. that like and then like i like john and i did this thing before we just played all the flores decks against kids and like greg collins from um who's you know is the boss yeah. of like coverage and Watsy and he stuff. He fired me from coverage. <laughs> I know. For me. Yeah. For me. Yeah, uh, we was watching me play Napster and he's just like, was this deck ever really good? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it, it beat almost everything. And John's like, not Tinker. Right? <laughs> Which is true. Couldn't be Tinker. But like, I, I don't know. It's like miserable. Like, yeah. It's, it's so, the cards are too good now. Like, your best cards are like Thrashing Wumpus and like it, your kill card is vicious hunger. Like you can't kill anything. It, with it those. is weird because I feel like they never make cards. Like they don't make cards like ancestral recall, dark ritual, necro. They don't make those types of cards anymore. But the overall power level does seem stronger now. Like I'm like it's it's just it's weird. I'm telling you, like I played against green matchups so much. I played against green. Dave Price played the opposite side of green for hours against me. So I, I understand how to play it, and I I beat green at a huge win percentage. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm telling you, every single time I killed a Blastoderm, I felt like I had run a marathon. Like, it wasn't easy, yeah. right? And, like, you, like, Vicious Hunger doesn't get you a lot of life points back. Yeah. Okay? Like, you're, so you have to, like, every single... You have, like, skittering scourges in your was, bag and yes, like, You could kill a Blastoderm, but, like, killing two or three Blastoderms, like, yeah. it's hard to win that game, right? You have to sacrifice so many resources to do this. It could be done, but, like... It was tough to win. God forbid a Sapperling burst, you know? Like, yeah. And I was good at these matchups, right? Like, I consistent win percentage. John was probably better than I was. And I, and I probably. Was probably. <laughs> but I was really good at these matchups. Yeah. And it was psychically draining to be able to do this, even though I knew the routines to do it. 
but like now it, it doesn't even exist this concept of like being able to cause their, their cards are so good and the games are so fast like if your third land comes yeah. in to play tapped so you can't cast your ruinous path and their planeswalker sticks for an additional turn well you probably lost it's funny because me and ben stark had a conversation about this and he felt like planeswalkers really changed the entire dynamic of constructive to the point where average players can just win now because the power level is just so high for those types of cards and the matchups are really swingy like you don't i remember when they made jun like the cascade yeah version people were complaining about blood Braid elf because they were like oh this card is just stupid but i thought it was good for magic because it gave average to bad players a chance to beat anybody because that card was just really stupid yeah and i feel like planeswalkers are the same thing well, they followed it's like, up with jace the mind sculpture next year which made it so that yeah. only the best player would ever win <laughs> <laughs> well in the call blade matchup really the call blade mirror was probably the most skill intensive magic i've ever seen call blade mirror magic. so uh, that was like the best player almost always won. So what do you think about this? Somebody proposed this to Gavin Verhey on Twitter this week, and I actually think this should be a real format that me and Brian make. It's like a, a real format. So, so like, there would be multiple players playing it, like, you know, eight players playing it or 20 players playing it in a tournament. But you can only choose Conley Woods' five-color aggro deck, Chapin's five-color control deck, or my five-color cascade deck. And those are the only decks you can pick. Well, only one of those decks has Cruel Tomato in it, right? Uh, I would have to go with Shape instead. But in my deck, every single card you cast is a Cruel Tomato. No, it's not. No, it's like <laughs> <not>. <laughs> no, Wait, have you ever I played don't... my five-color Cascade deck? Uh, no, I don't okay, think i ever the played The bottom of the color. chain is Esper Charm and Blightning. There's no <laughs> cards below Esper Charm and Blightning. So you have to make it to turn four. But what did you just? Is that like the? Is that like the per rock paper scissor where like you would just lose to the aggro deck? No, I don't think you even lose to the aggro deck. But I never lost a match on Moto with the deck one one time. I, I mean a, 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 a tournament match on Moto. I probably lost like a tournament practice room while I was tuning. But like it was it, it, it's essentially. Like, um, Andre played it in a pro tour once. Oh really? <laughs> he didn't do well. Oh I. <laughs> I would I would actually. I wonder if there was like a thousand, if there was a thousand dollar buy-in tournament yeah. where every player had to play the exact same seventy-five copy of Callblade, who would enter, and who would be the favorite to win? Well, the winner would be Dave Shields. The, well, that's what I'm, the tournament. I feel like before. you would get. I feel like you would get a lot of really the top players. I feel like a lot of them would sign up for like a thousand dollar entry tournament where you could only play Callblade. So I, I, I don't know who would win. First invitation I ever played in. I of course played. Uh, Blue Red Splinter Twin because it was yeah. you know I had won whatever the pre the previous weekend or something I had won, and um, and Cobblade was the dominant deck and my deck was awesome against Cobblade so and Chapin played Cobblade I remember he he won this match against against Shaheen Sarani mm -hmm. and like Shaheen had badly outdrawn Chapin and Chapin was doesn't matter. mana screwed for the entire mid game and he won and Shaheen was just shaking his head he's just like I don't know how I yeah. lost and Chapin was like. He lost because I sided in a disenchant. I waited to the correct number of turns to cast it, and I cast it when I had one life. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm like, that's why you won. He's like, yeah, if I had cast it earlier, right? Like, he would have had like, because because I played it in a certain way, I was able to kill his batter skull. And then like, then he's like, sequence like all the reasons why he was able to win. He's just like, he's like, and I saved my last life point. I feel like, and I was just like, really? He's like, yeah, and I was stuck, and I came back. A lot of times <clears> when you hear people tell stories like that. You just think that they're pretending to be smarter than they really are. But in the, whenever I hear call, good players talk about the Callblade mirrors and they describe how they won, I believe it. Because it, I'm telling you, it's the most skill-intensive magic I've ever seen. The, the better player wins like 99% of the time. It's amazing. Like, and it's just, we, it's we, just we tracked about fail. 75%. Really? Yeah. So the, the Chapin said the, the Callblade is still a better choice because I said... In excess of 50% of the players are going to play Cobblade, and uh, and uh, I have like a natural 60% to be Cobblade. And then Chapin said, yeah, but I have a 75% to be Cobblade against an inferior Cobblade player. Yeah. And I said, well, I guess that depends on how many how many uh, Cobblade players you consider to be inferior to you. And he just looks at me. <laughs> he's, just like, he's just like, let's just say you and I will have a different win percentage just playing the same deck. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, I'm like, I think I'm natural 60% to win. He's probably yeah. more. He's like, you might be 80% to win. But I'm 75% to win against every single inferior Cobbler player. So. That's pretty good. 
Those are pretty good numbers. So, uh, I loved Magic back then. We were, he and I were having this discussion. My favorite formats are the ones where, like, there's Rebels, or there's Cawblade, or there's, you know, uh, High Tide. Did like, you like Combo Winter? I, I won, like, three PTQs during Combo Winter. Really? I liked it, too. I thought it was fun. It was exciting. Like, there was a different combo deck every week, basically. But I don't think kids these days could handle Combo Winter. Like... It's rough. It my, was rough. Like my win percentage in like amateur level tournaments. You're talking about like a PTQ, like, like a nine round PTQ is an amateur level tournament. Is like much better when I have a very high ability to predict uh, what the cards my opponents are going to play. Even if I'm gonna, even if I'm also playing high tide, right? I could consistently top eight with high tide during combo winter because hmm. like my high tide win percentage was close to 100 percent in the mirror match. It was like absurdly high, yeah. right? So like. We did like all, we like had all kinds of cards right that other people didn't have and just didn't understand matchups right so let's like a, a typical cyborg card was Mystic Remora but mm-hmm. my cyborg card was Time Elemental right first of all Time Elemental doesn't trigger Mystic Remora Time Elemental yeah do you know what happens no after turn five my Thawing Glaciers still work and yours don't so if you think you can beat me when I have seven lands in play and you have three uh, go crazy right. Wow, I, really? That's my strategy. You're not going to go off before then. You're paying for a Mystic Remora. Jesus. Right? Like, like win percentage was absurd, right? Also, um, uh, how much do you like breaking sideboards? It's my favorite. It's my favorite thing. I love it when you figure <laughs> out the right strategy in the sideboard. Because, like, people very rarely think about sideboarding. I they almost never think it. it's like an afterthought, or they'll just figure they'll just jam fifteen cards in their sideboard that they think are so good. So let's let's talk about your. I think your main. So this week, you played a green white token stack. I had to double take on this deck. No new first, cards. First of all, you won the tournament. Yeah. Right. Second of all, there were no news constrictors. <laughs> and I was just like, news constrictors. You love Wild Mongrel more than anyone I've ever met. I know. You played Worldly Tutor to get your Wild Mongrel in a deck. <laughs> whose win percentage was closely correlated with the number of cards it had in hand. So <laughs> you, would, you would sacrifice you card in hand you need a to get the stupid... So I'm like, oh, he must be playing news constrictors. Yeah. No, there are no news constrictors. So you played no new cards, zero yeah. new cards, but you played two main deck Evolutionary Leap and three yeah. main deck Tragic Arrogance. BT Dubs, uh, the other podcast, this week's episode is entitled The Tragic Arrogance of Ozipathodopich. <laughs> <laughs> That is a good name for a yeah. podcast. So very fitting. Uh, yeah. So you had, so you had three. And so correct me if I'm wrong. The reason that this is awesome is because Tragic Arrogance costs five, and everyone knows that the more expensive your cards are, the better. Right now, because people are are gaming spell quellers and they're jamming you if you have four or less. Well, that and I thought I thought Tragic Arrogance was one of the most busted cards since they, the first time they made it. Like, it's a one-sided wrath. And very rarely it has it ever been bad for me. Even like outside this <laughs> tournament, like it's bad against I, some deck. Look, it's very rare. Look, but if you look at the format right now, there's very few decks where it's bad against. Like it was even good against my the green black delirium decks because they all play that spider now, Ishikawa. Like you can rant. Like and and the other thing is, I never have to worry about Liliana getting out of control because I'm like, all right, fine. Get like six zombies and then I'll tragic arrogance. Like it doesn't like it's such a amazing card. Like it, very rarely will you see a card that's great against mid the mid range decks in the format and the aggro decks. Like and that card no is great against deck, both. So it ain't matter. And there's no control deck, so it doesn't matter. And even against and and the, and the most dominant control deck is white black angels, and that card is actually not that bad against white black angels because they play multiple variety of planeswalkers and creatures. So I actually beat one of my black white angels opponents with tragic arrogance game one, and that coupled with um, the the variety of permanents that you have in your deck, like you have planeswalkers, artifacts, creatures, enchantments, like you have you have a lot of ways to gain an advantage after you cast arrogance. Plus, or you just hold the board, right? You're like you just you hold. keep Gideon and it's it's a perfect card because your deck is basically set up to force your opponent to overcommit. Wait, like can, they have to overwhelm you. But can you activate Gideon and then like cast Tragic Arrogance to keep Gideon in Nissa because yeah, Gideon's a creature? Yeah, so basically that's what I did against one of my White Weenie opponents. I had a Nissa play, to Gideon play. I uptick my Gideon, cast Tragic Arrogance. I left a creature that he had tapped, and I killed his mine, uh, small Gideon with my Gideon. 
It's like, it's just too good of a card. And combined with Evolutionary Leap, where you can actually control what you have in play and mitigate your losses, it's just phenomenal. So the thing that is also cool about it is, is there, there was like this meta game, like a real meta game, not like you know people say meta game, which yeah. actually just mean the decks people are playing, which is actually not what meta game means. But <laughs> there's actually a meta game where people used to play Tragic Arrogance in green-white decks, and then they went to Planar Cleansings, right? Yeah. But planar cleansings allow people to be opened on on cards like Archangel Avison and or Selfless Spirit, right, to defend their Which creatures. Which the best deck in the format plays both of. So you just can't play <coughs> planar ambush anymore. Like you just can't. And like the other thing is, the ability to get rid of multiple planeswalkers should not be understated. Like that is a serious thing. And I don't think people really appreciate that. It's like the fact that it gets around Selfless Spirit and Archangel and can deal with planeswalkers, like. It's a real thing. Speaking of which, did you see the green-blue crush deck? I played against it, and I was annihilated by it. And so, he didn't even have a great list. Oh, but that deck should... That deck, I feel like, is, like, the next level on what you're talking about. It's just, like, you get a 47 Planeswalkers. Yeah. 102 token creatures, right? I'm going to deal with all of them and have an 8-8, right? The thing is, that deck has, has gigantic glaring holes that it's just, in a sense, lucky that people don't play the cards that punish you for playing... Uh, for playing this when they easily could but yeah. that like for the most part I think that's my like I, I know that it's not like the, the Omega version of a deck in Standard but like as long as Standard isn't at it's maximum level of maturity I think that's like my favorite thing it's so cool you're just like if you go Oath of Nyssa crush yeah. and then you get back the Oath of Nyssa that's well, bonkers the, the crazy thing for me was I didn't I couldn't believe he didn't play four hangerbacks I can't believe that he didn't could, play Evolutionary could, Leap well, that too. I mean, I was looking at his deck because I played against him and I thought his deck was really cool. I thought the idea was very cool. And then when I got home, I saw his list online and I felt like, man, there's so much opportunity. To, there's so much room for improvement here. But did he have four Den Protector? Yeah, he had four Den Protector. Because if you have 10 mana, don't you just have infinite crushes? Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, you basically Your opponent can't crush. win, right? You just well, like... It's hard for them to break <clears throat> up the crush. The, the problem with the deck really is that it's not 100% against Bant, which is... You gotta be a little bit better than fifty percent, I think, or play Bant. And you're you're very bad against aggro decks. He's just lucky there wasn't very a lot of aggro decks in the in the tournament. Um, but, but I definitely think it's a contender. I think you could need to sideboard. Keep or, first of all, it. I think his like his mainboard singleton choices made no sense to me. That deck for sure, in my opinion, should be playing four elvish visionaries, for example, right? I think I, I'd rather play hangerback walker because you can surge on five. Like, I feel, like hanger back is really yeah. important. Like I feel like I could, I could get behind both of those cards. Like yeah. bounding crashes makes no sense to me no. on this list, right? The, so the void grafter doesn't make a lot of sense. The one counter spell doesn't make a ton of sense. I like the one counter spell. I think it, I like stuff that makes. But keeps why wouldn't honest. you just play like void shatter then instead of like clash? Because I watched I watched him play where like if he just had a void shatter he would have like been able to counter a spell yeah. as opposed to just like <coughs> all right well I can't make you pay five so I guess I lose. But, like, you could... I mean, if it's against aggro, that's your problem. Like, you just sideboard... His deck doesn't have Sil uh, Sylvan Advocate, right? No. All right, so you could just play with, like, Sylvan Advocate. Oh, you the, could definitely The 1-1 one, one death deck touch deck. guy that becomes 3-3. Three, yes. three. Like, the 1-3 guy. If the guy never becomes 3-3, three, three, I don't care. Yeah. His job is to trade with an, you know, anointed champion or whatever. I don't yeah. care. Um, and then, like... Just bide your time until you can get to to get to crush, and then oh, you're going to beat those. Oh, I'm decks. not worried about figuring out a way to beat aggro because one, I don't think aggro is very good right now. Two, yeah, like you said, there's oh, you're playing Pulsar Ross and Main. You'll figure out a way to beat aggro. It's really the Bant matchup because if they're boarding in the gates and um, they're boarding in Ojatai's command, it's really hard to win against that. <laughs> it's like well, so they have cheaper versions of card advantage generating answers to all of your and things And they just play Flash creatures, so it's like... Well, their cards are insane. Yeah, right? it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> you can main fade Surge, and then I'm just going to play my creatures at the end of the turn. <laughs> like, I play Archangel, obviously. And the other crazy thing is, I don't even know if, like, the best version of Bant is out there. Like, I actually think Tamiyo, instead of Collective Company, might even be a better deck. Because it allows you, it gives you more options. Well, Tamiyo's pretty busted, but I, can we get a fourth copy of Duskwatch Recruiter? I mean, like, the deck has... Just just puzzle this. You play a second turn Duskwatch Recruiter, and then you play a third land, okay? Yeah. It does, like, your opponent doesn't have a creature on, you know, and you attack, right? 
there's nothing that can go well for your opponent here, right? They could try to trick you and then you spell queller them, right? And if you don't, then you just recruit. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's... it's well, no, you can't because you, you have You could. That. No, because it would flip. What? If yeah, you it if you flips on their turn at the beginning you, of their turn. Yeah, so then if you recruit, then you can't spell queller. Yeah, what but it doesn't, no, I, I, it I hear your point though. Like having <clears throat> werewolves in that deck is great, and that's the best werewolf you can have. Like Lamble Pacifist, Pacifist, I don't think is very good in that deck, and I also don't think that you really want. Like I, I agree with you. I think the best two drops are Sylvan Advocate, Dustwatch Recruiter, and Selfless Spirit. Like I think you want twelve of those creatures. Well, then it also has, it also has. I think the dumbest card is Reflector Mage, in my opinion. In standard, That's the insane. dumbest card is Reflector Mage. But it's just got Reflector Mage and Spell Queller. Like, the card quality in Bant is just off the hook. I actually, to be honest, I think Spell Queller is overrated. It's very good. It's it's good, but it's not even, like, the best card in the mirror match. And the problem with Spell Queller, for me, is that, like, yes, if you're if you're on the play and, you ha and, you, and you're pressing your advantage, it's great, but it doesn't really help you when you're behind and it also doesn't help you beat cards that you're bad against, like Archangel Avacyn. It does, it's not good against Tragic Argus, obviously, game one. It doesn't help you against Ishikawa. Like, the problem with Spellcaller is it only helps you when you're already having an advantage. Sometimes it's good. Well, Bant like a has tempo the tempo swing, more than half the time. That's but the not, thing. Not, not when it's on a draw. And again, it doesn't help you beat the cards that you have a problem with. The big one being Archangel. Like, Archangel's a real big problem with that deck. Like, a lot of times when I was playing against Bant, you basically, like, I just didn't feel like I could lose if I just put them in a position where they had to act first. Because my spells always trump their spells. Like, Tragic Archangel, my five spells were just too good. Tragic and Archangel, they're just too good. And even a card like, um, uh, which one, Evolutionary Leap with, Arch uh, with, um, Hanger back. Hanger back. Like you just with anything, them, really. It's like this inevitability where like you just grind them out. Because your leap always eventually gets Archangel, right? Because I only have eight, yeah, yeah. 12 <laughs> creatures in my deck. Any creature I hit is going to be good. I honestly wanted to board out my advocates because I only wanted to hit Hanger backs or <laughs> Archangels. I couldn't, but it's like... We could avoid I, getting run over. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is that I just think... I think Spellcaller is good, but I think people jammed it in the deck because it made sense. It did really well week one, so people are like, oh, we'll just keep doing it. But if you really think about it, I don't know if it's the perfect card for a band. But you've made a level two game theory choice, right? So you're approaching it from the perspective of somebody who who has seven five casting cost Trump spells in their deck, right? I, yeah, I reacted to were, last week's metagame. But, but that doesn't make... that's you. So you've chosen to position yourself in a way that Spellcaller is of dramatically less... Uh, impact against you. That's like when I was walking around saying that I didn't think that Stoneforge Mystic was that good because I had won so many matches where I had into the Royal no kicker day. But let me ask right? you, right? Which is like, let, let me which ask, is silly. The card let me is ask still you a question. Good. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let's say that Bant players evolve, and I, so <laughs> I adapted my green white deck to try to beat Spellcaller. Let's say fan players try to adapt their deck to beat Spellqueller, and they just say, all right, in order to do this, I need to play more cards like Archangel Avacyn in my deck. In order to do that, that means that I probably can't play Collect the Company anymore. So I replace Collect the Company with Tamiyo. I up to four Archangels, and because of that, instead of Spellqueller, I have to play a card like, uh, I don't know, um, the Flyer that, that puts a Cyan into play, which happens to be uh, good El with Drazi Sky, Drazi Sky Spawner. Like, First which of all, that happens to be good sweet. with Spice. So now you have eight creatures that you can sacrifice to your Archangel, plus you have a turn three Flyer that can go really well with turn four Tamiya. So it's like, I th I just think people will adapt, and suddenly a deck like that, and, and it makes it even better for you to board in a card like Elder Deep Fiend, because your three drops are much easier to sack now because you're not playing Sky Spawner. You're not so, playing uh, so, well, a spell. Let me ask you this. Why are we even playing green if this is the way that you're going to go? Isn't it like an evolution Because you're Tamiya. What? Because Dromoka's Command and Tamiya are really good. And all the early drops. Well, you can just play blue and white early drops and do similar things. They're not as good. But, the, but then you can play the werewolves. But if you know, your big advocate, really if your big problem is is the opponent casting an Archangel Avacyn, I think that an increased ability to just clash it might be better than than playing these green cards. I don't know. That's the problem is why do you want to why do you want to not play green cards? Like Sylvan Advocate is probably the best two drop in the format. You really don't want to play it when your mana can easily support it. I think I'm personally my I go. I think I'm very likely to go white mid range or red white mid range in standard. But then you just lose the planeswalkers. No, you're good against them. Why are you good against planeswalkers? 
First of all, you have your own planeswalker. You have no any deck that has no way to kill a planeswalker. I can kill a planeswalker. Cannot say that they're great I against a planeswalker. I can cast the card. No, exquisite firecraft and kill your planeswalker. Oh, for white red, you're saying? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. White red mid range just seems like. How do you beat evolutionary leap? Uh, well, it, it depends on what's getting leaped, right? And depends on the sequencing. Because the backbone of my deck would be uh, Eldrazi, a uh, Displacer, which makes that your leap very, very bad. That card's okay? very good. So, like, yes, you could leap me once. But, like, there's just no sequencing where you're, where you're going to be... If, whatever you're getting is no longer going to be of high efficacy unless you can deal with my uh, Eldrazi yeah, Displacer. Yeah, I have to deal with your Displacer. Right? So, and then, if you don't do anything, then the game just becomes my Displacer and my Goblin Dark Dweller, and you're never going to be able to keep up with me. You're unlikely to even be able to block... Yeah, That's but is, the, is that good, is that deck good against Bands? I think it's probably awesome against Band. All the cards that are good against Band. So the main things you want to do is be able to have instant speed removal that can reliably remove a spell queller in such a way that you can regain the advantage of the card that was lost, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say, like, I cast, I don't know, a Fiery Impulse, and they spell quellered my Fiery Impulse. If I later kill the spell queller, I get the Fiery Impulse back, right? That's, that's an example. Or, like, maybe they spell quellered my Eldrazi Displacer. I can, for example, kill their spell queller, get back my Eldrazi Displacer, and if there's, if there's a spell queller, um, and then if there's a spell queller in play on their side, anytime they cast a card, I can just spell, I can just Eldrazi Displacer their spell queller, and their spell queller will now counter their own spell. Yeah. Right. That's the thing that that's the thing that will happen, right? And I can control, I can, I can entirely control the tempo of this game because I have instant speed removal. No. But and they only have creatures. The, I, I just think I, my main issue with the deck that you're describing is that it leans really heavily on making sure your Eldrazi Displacer survives. You just like, play more. I mean, it's just that, like, I need that card to live. And I, I you, you're still not playing, like, I, if you're going to play a mid-range deck, I don't know why you would just play green like Because it plays so many powerful cards, and I just think green is more powerful than red. Like, you know, when it comes down to it, Goblin Dark Wells is a fine card. I don't think it's better than any of the green cards in the green-white deck, though. Well, I think, like, the Thalia's Lancers is the same card as Goblin Dark Weller. <laughs> just a 5, it's, it's a 4-4. Four, four. It does a pretty cool thing when yeah. it comes into play. Yeah. Done. It is basically the same <laughs> Basically thing. the same card. One of them has Menace, one of them has First Strike. Both a little hard to block, but not that hard. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I never thought of it that way, yeah. yeah <laughs> what was my favorite? remember when we were testing for uh, Pro Tour Charleston? What was my favorite card? Indrix Dompowler. Right? Oh, yeah. I like that, was a fun, that was a fun tournament to test for. I felt like we were close. We, were, we didn't have the we black-red deck. Let me tell you, if I, we traded one guy on my team, <coughs> me, for one guy on your team. <laughs> we would have done great. Saito would have never won a Pro Tour. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't lose a match on day one. Really? Nope. Oh, your deck was really good. Yeah. That's the deck I wish we played. I wish we played your black-white deck. Um, yeah, I wish we didn't play. Our best deck in testing was green-white, and then we didn't play it because we played Chapin's five-color control deck. That was a mistake. I wish Did we didn't also have a five. Yeah, I wish we didn't play that deck. I, it was, I felt like green-white was literally our best deck in testing, and we just didn't play it. Uh, I think we played green-white. We we missed the we didn't play your black white deck which is the biggest punt. I I my deck I, I played the fireman angel deck which is okay. We had fireman angel. And our fire too. and our five color deck was okay, but and our green white deck Josh was playing that and that was great. But we needed you needed black red green white and white black. You needed those three decks. Our it was weird and no blue like no the blue wasn't think, good. Yeah. It was like reman. That was it. We didn't play reman. John we told us Reman was bad, so we didn't play it. We didn't play it in our Fireman deck. We played it, and it was funny because Phil didn't play it, and, like, he was so angry that he didn't play that no, card. John adamantly said, Reman is bad, so we cut yeah. it from all of and, our decks. And what happened every single time was they would rolling spoil your land, you would remand it, and then you'd rolling spoil your land. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're like, all right, things aren't that bad right now. And then they play come to play Tapland in the year. So what tournaments do you have? Are you going to play in the New Jersey Invitational? Yeah, next one's the Invitational. Are you qualified for that because of this tournament? No, no. I, I, I basically play in one Invitational a year. It's always the one in New Jersey. And I always do well enough to qualify for the one next year. <laughs> I was on that, but I'm not qualified this year. Really? Yeah. Are you going to go? Are you just playing the Open? Yeah, yeah probably. Oh wait, I don't know. I'm gonna play in the. I'm gonna play in the WMCQ qualifier. Is it? In September? I'm playing in that. Yeah, that's in September. So I'm gonna um, play in that one too. I really want to keep for worlds. I didn't really think about uh, about playing those before because like 
I've just never played in one before. I haven't either. And I just checked the list, and I have more than enough points to play, you know? Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, well, yeah. It would be pretty cool to play with Owen, because it's like, you're guaranteed to win Worlds, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like Owen and Seth. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you have a pretty good shot of winning Worlds with that team, so you're basically just playing for a lot of money and a chance to, like, make the Hall of Fame. <laughs> if it's you, right? So I voted for you again this year. I appreciate that, even though I am not getting in. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, my, my voting patterns, Martell was, like, taking me to task on my voting pattern. Yeah. Like, I, I think I last voted for you and Herbert Holtz in 2011, I think. I hope Herbert Holtz gets in. And then I voted... I, In my opinion, you and Mark have basically the same resume. He has one more Pro Tour Top 8 than you, but he has no Top 16s. Like, none. Yeah. And he doesn't have your grant, you know. People don't value the top 16s very highly. The top 16s have some amount of effect, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Right? So, uh, but I think, like, even in terms of, like, your reputations, the things you're good at, like, top American players, you know, top deck designers, I think you're very, very comparable. So, basically, I didn't, I voted for both of you, I think, in 2011, back when I used to vote for five people every year. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't vote for, then I went into this spring where I was, I'm only voting for very few people, but I voted for Tom Martell twice. Really? Yeah, and because his rate was unbelievable. At the time yeah. that he had won, he's a Pro Tour Dragon's Maze. Mm -hmm. His, his, his win rate in his second pro, his, so you can't count his first Pro Tour career, which includes one Pro Tour when he was a child. Right? Yeah. It, it, after his second Pro Tour career begins, just circa 2010, yeah. I want to say, He's the best player in the history of the game. Yeah, he had like, a really good. If rate. you if you look at if you look at and it's uh, it's not even close. Uh, like uh, Shouta got into the Hall of Fame last year. Martell has a better resume than Shouta in three years than Shouta has in twenty years. The problem right? is, so, is that it's a lot. I, right? These days, I mean, so, Shouta has a hundred Grand Prix top eights. These days, it's a lot about perception. Well, like, now Shouta has a bunch of top eights. Yeah, he didn't he, have I mean, Shouta obviously program. deserves to be in, but really, it's more about like. Do the pros believe this guy to be one of the best players of all time? Like it's it's that perception more than anything else, because and which makes sense because like that way guys that should be in the Hall of Fame get in the Hall of Fame. Like Owen doesn't have an amazing resume, but he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So, like he's definitely been the best player like so, uh, in the past three years. Last year, I believe I only voted for Eric Froelich. Uh, so I, like it's weird. This is a weird voting pattern. Right? I was voting for like you and Mark, and then I voted for like one person and Tom, I think mm. twice. I can't even remember which years it was. And then I voted only for Efro. And then this year, I was just like. That must have been the saddest ballot. Only one. For just me, Efro I on the ballot. always used to <laughs> fives, right? So then this year I was just like, well, is it possible to not vote for anybody? So I talked to John, he's just like, yeah, but you have to tell them you're not voting for anybody if you do that, right? So I'm just like, but somebody's gonna get in, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. So I was just like, all right, well, if somebody's gonna get in, I'll vote for I'll vote for Owen, right? So then it's like, well, Watanabe is like basically the same. Yeah. <laughs> so all right, I'll vote for him. I was like, and I listen. I'm like, neither one of these guys has a better lifetime resume than Mark. Yeah. It's just recency that they did it recently, and Mark did it in his first 23 Pro Tours instead of the last 23 Pro Tours that happened. Yeah. Right? If this had, if Mark's career had been over the last 23 Pro Tours instead of 23 Pro Tours before that, everyone would be voting for Mark. They're just like, I'll vote for Mark. They're just like. Mark and Osip have exactly the same resume. You know, just trade Mark's fourth, fourth top eight in for Osip's hundred Grand Prix to, uh, or Osip's hundred top sixteens, and it's the same. Yeah. So then I voted for you again, which is basically like the same. <laughs> that I had like the funny ago. thing is, if I started playing in '95 and was was eligible in 2005, like right after I top eight in Lulu, I probably make it in, just because of the perception and the recency. Well, bias. you were like, you were like, sir. Also, also like. The perception in terms of like who people were talking about in the media. Yeah. Everyone was talking about you because I always talked about yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> but honestly, like, by like, the way, I was up top eight. It was I, blue red. I, Momoku deck. I really wouldn't even feel good if I got voted in because I just because like I just don't know if I. You think when it. I you think when I when I finally at age 115 don't get like my lifetime achievement award for the things <laughs> that I did when I was 19 oh, years old. I fully you think that I'm not going to be showing I, up for I fully uh, expect you and BDM to get into the Hall of Fame at before some me. point. There's going like, to be some, some version of a Hall of Fame. Ridiculous asterisk. Because yeah. every year at Hall of Fame voting, there's all these people like, how is Five with Flores not in the Hall of Fame yet? Yeah. You know, my, flooding my Twitter stream every year. And the answer is like, because I don't come close to fulfilling any of the criteria that you're supposed to vote on. Right? Because you, yeah. you liked an article I wrote 20 years ago. Isn't it a reason? <laughs> I mean, I'm still gonna play. I'm still gonna like randomly grind. It would be amazing if I like top eight at a pro tour and then suddenly got in the conversation again because like 
that's all I have ever wanted, but I don't expect to get in unless I do that. And I'm fine with that. Like that's that, that's, that's totally fair. Definitely in. Yeah. I think if I can get if I can if I I think if, I think if I get like one if I think if I top 8 and win, I'm in good shot cuz like two two wins is pretty good. You know. I think I need a win. If I if I just Wins top pretty eight tough, one. man. I can barely I know. win a top eight. Qualifying is pretty tough. I don't know what I'm talking draft about. <laughs> Speaking of qualifying, I'm gonna, I, I, my kids are, are, are with our grandparents this week, so um, there's two PPTQs I can play in, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm probably only going to need one. That's what I'm going to guess. So, <laughs> You're playing a sweet modern deck. Yeah, modern. Approved so. by Patrick Sullivan himself. Boy, I sketched out a modern deck. He told me I had too, too many Grim Lava Mancers, and that's it. We're done. He told me to... It's like, minus three mountain, plus one Sager Foundry, plus two fetch land, you're done. That's what he told me. <laughs> Sweet. My mana base is like three mountains in it. Twelve fetch lands. And then two, two green red and two, uh, three white red. Ooh. All right. So my, my, and I have all red cards. And like I said, I have a Tarkus Command in my main deck and uh, two lightning helixes. How many creatures? Four Boros Charms. Um, four Taylor Swift Spear. I have a hugely disproportionate win presented when that card's in my deck. I think that card is like, it, it's weird because it's never talked about as a gross mistake, but if you look at all the decks people complain about being way overpowered, they always have Monastery Swift Spear, and the card was just printed like a year ago. Yeah. Right? Like, Blue Red and Modern, Blue Red and Legacy, right? Like, Mono Red and Standard. Like, card is dumb, okay? Because I have four of that. Four Goblin Guides. Did I ever tell you the story where... So Goblin Guide is Bella's favorite card. Because she saw it, she's like, oh, this card's awesome. And I'm like, oh, why do you think so? She's like, because it gives you perfect information of your opponent's game plan. I was like, what? <laughs> How old was she when she said that? It's like, what year was it? It was 2011, so it was five years ago. She was seven. Seven years? That's Her a, assessment that was... That is a aggressive seven-year-old statement. She's a chess player. That's amazing. Right? So she's like... She's like Goblin Guide turns magic into chess. That's what she said. She's like, I don't always know what my opponent has, but if I have Goblin Guide, I do. Wow. So then I can I can play my cards correctly. Yeah. I was like, that's really your assessment? She's like, it's obvious. So I told I told that to Peace and he's like, Mike, what was your initial uh, what was your initial take on Goblin Guide? I said, I thought it was constructed unplayable because it gave the opponent card advantage. Oh my god. So anyway, <laughs> at seven, your daughter is yeah, already so way chase, smarter than you. Cuts to the chase. She said, Oh, it's my favorite card. Will you buy me a set? And I said, Sure. I thought they were five dollars. Turns out they were twenty dollars. So I bought a set. She said, Oh, are those for me? I said, No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess four Goblin Guide, four Monastery Swift Spear. Eidolon? Uh, four Eidolon, obviously, yeah. right? And then two Grim Lava Mancers. And then uh, it has the 20 lands I said before. Uh, two Lightning Helix, four Searing Blaze, which I think is right. Um, uh, four Lightning Bolt, four Rift Bolt, four Lava Spike. And I said two Lightning Helix already. My sideboard is two Lightning Helix, two Pad to Exile, three... <laughs> and four that? Searing Blood. What? What's what my that? secret card? Oh, God. All right, I'll tell you what. Deflecting Palm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That card... Yeah, people play that, that card. I'm not it's sure... It's good against Infect. Isn't it good against everything? Mm, it's really good against Infect. Because they go all in. And you're just like, all right. How's it against, pen? like, a, a Titan of some sort? Nobody really plays that. You got to watch out for Dredge, though. Dredge is kind of obnoxious because they have no out of the bone. No. I have I have a Targus command. Yeah. No, I'm saying you, you have outs. I'm just saying that. Should I that play like it. four Skullcrack too? Um, it that, depends on what you want your anti-Dredge card. Like Dredge just won the Modern Classic. And it's definitely, and, and Kenji was playing it. So like it's definitely a deck people play. And it's actually good because of Neonite. So I would definitely consider that in your game plan as to how you're going to beat it. And whether it's like an anti-life gain card or like just going all in on rest in peace, I would have some sort of strategy for it. Oh, I don't have either of that. Well, Skullcrack. I mean, I would play maybe a couple of copies of Skullcrack is all you need. Instead I, of your, lightning, your match is probably not that bad. My deck's fast though. Their their dredge deck isn't that fast. It's just powerful. It's right? just grindy, but they don't need to be fast after board. I, game one, I think you're good against them. I'm saying after board, they have like no out of the bones. And a right, lot so of this is my assessment. I'm gonna be playing in a random place in Brooklyn and a random place in Queens. That's true. I don't know that they have the cards necessary to play <laughs> the deck that you're talking about. <laughs> they can't get watery graves. I mean, like, <laughs> come on, come on, Osip. 
<laughs> fair point. Fair point. Actually, when I won when I won the the PPTQ I won last year, first of all, I won all four dice rolls that I played in the Swiss. Right, it was a maximum size PPTQ of sixty players. I won all four dice rolls. Then I intentionally drew into the top eight, so I had and I was in first position. So I played first every single match, and only one of my matches didn't go to three, Jeez. which makes me think that like I was a, I was like. I, I was like a pubic hair away from not winning the tournament, like every single round, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Right? So, um, but that, I thought that term was harder than the regional PTQ that I, which I also won. I won both of was them. Was that the five color dragon yeah. one? Yeah. I liked that thing. That was really cool. Yeah, I liked it too. And it never did anything after that tournament. Yeah. But it didn't have to. That's like, that's like every Sam Black deck. Like every Sam Black deck doesn't do anything after the tournament where he wins. He's just, it's just always a brilliant metagame call. See, I thought that I, I thought that Crucible of the Spear Dragon was going to get banned short <laughs> at, shortly after I won. <laughs> no, we can't let people cast Dramoka what, just I thought, out of nowhere. I thought the deck was like unbeatable. As I was beating aggro decks, and so other people in the world, I guess they didn't beat aggro decks. But yeah. me and Brian Raymer, like Brian Raymer, he first he made like the, the much far distant version. He just just play, play, playing Icefall Regent as yeah. his dragon in a dragon deck. I was like, oh, there's some interesting stuff going on in this deck. And then Patrick was like, oh, why don't you try playing some more dragon lands, right? Because, like, if you can cast your Icefall Regent, like, with only one land, like, oh, your, your deck actually turns on it. You actually, maybe you can compete with real decks, yeah. right? And I was like, I tried. That was pretty good. And then he was just like, this is also Patrick's idea. He's just like, all right, now that you're playing, like, eight dragon lands, why don't you just play every stupid dragon? And I'm like, that, that, that can't possibly work. And then it was better. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you just, like, cast, like... Turn five, Jermoka. Turn six, Atarka. Like, you're just like, people would be like, oh, I have this awesome thing. You're just like, Silumgar, I'll take your ultimate yeah. planeswalker. Like, uncounterable. Like, everything was uncounterable. Like, <laughs> That's like a Proto Honolulu when we're, you were helping me and we were playing Tron. And I was like, hey, I want to play four giant Sullyphage in my sideboard with my blue red Tron deck. And you're like, how are you going to cast it? It's double green and double red. And I'm like, yeah, you have four annex in your sideboard and all our lands tap for either blue or red. So if we can play one, we have to be able to play the other, right? And it worked. The annex was the best. That was really Eugenia good. said he, we, he said, I think we should have had only one annex. No way. I love that card. I, I feel like I had that card against every deck. I just poured it in against every deck. <laughs> I forgot about the annex. Yeah. We had two Electrolyze, right? No one yep. ever played Electrolyze in Standard after that tournament. It was amazingly good against the field of black-white decks. But it's weird that it's so good in, in Modern now, because it never got, never saw playing Standard again yeah. after that yeah. tournament. Because people well, went... Because it, it was all <laughs> Zoo. It was like a watchable format. Yeah, went, went to all, like, Scab Clan Maulers and yeah, you can't Descendant of Kiyomaru. Yeah. You lost to PV at the beginning of Day 2, didn't you? Yeah. Playing black-white? Yeah. But you, I remember you kept losing to Blackwell. I'm like, what the hell happened? Uh, no, I did pretty well against Blackwell. It was just the, the, against just him against I lost. PV. Yeah, yeah. Then you beat you beat ridiculous half for the top eight, right? Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> like you were gonna lose to the Tallow Wisp deck. Come on, Osip. <laughs> that was not gonna happen at all. Wait, wasn't it like there was a point where he had like cast like Pillory of the Sleepless on your Kiga, so your Kiga was just sitting there doing nothing yeah. for like the whole game, and then you just drew another Kiga cast and took all of his stuff and he lost? Is that something like this? No, I. what happened was I had a Kiga in play with a Pillory on it, and he had a Kami the Ancient Law, and I casted a second Kiga, yeah. and he sacked his Kami to kill my to Pillory, so that the legend rule back yeah. then, like they would both die and I would get control of his Kami, but I just remanded my Kaga instead. <laughs> and then he already sacked his combo yeah. Angela, so like I just had a Kagi flame attack and revive. <laughs> and then I think I top deck like, oh, what I was afraid of was I oh, thought I he was the this. kid. He was like, oh, do you have? Are you he, the kid he was with the Shoal? Shoal kid. And He's I'm like, Shoals, I'm like, right? I guess I gotta blaze you. And he was like, Shoal, yeah, pitching two of the uh, four drop guys. And I'm just like, all right, I guess this game's not over yet. But then he dies like two turns later. Well, but his deck was pretty your, cool. You, so, didn't you like? Are you the Shoal guy? You cast it. He Shoaled, and then you drew your Invoke the Fire Mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, like try we again. had one Blaze and one Invoke the Fire Mine in our deck. It was so good. We were like, let's split it up. I think Cudio was like, yeah, you don't want two of either card. You want one of each. Just you know. Did we have Godo originally? What happened to Godo? That guy was sweet. I think we cut him for. Yeah, we obviously for cut him. So you page. I think I wanted so you page instead. And it was like it was mostly about because like we didn't want to die to Cradle Extraction. My the 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 real. 
prime of my career has been how I always overvalue cranial extraction and cranial extraction type effects. Like I literally played a Psychotoc deck and I convinced all target to play like four cranial extractions main because I thought the deck was card was just broken. Like I just constantly overrate that card and they just, they realize how bad that card every, is and they just keep making better versions of it and none of them are ever playable. Every, every, uh, <laughs> every card in that Psychotoc deck that you played was card disadvantage. Card di yeah. Every single Patrick card. Patrick calls it the, 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 it's probably the one deck that has the most card disadvantage in it. So you have Isochron Scepter, Scepter, Mox, Mox, Psychotog. Chrome Mox, yeah, Psychotog. Like, it was terrible. Like, you, you, by turn four, you had like no cards in your hand and you were like a control deck. It was so How bad. would you ever win? I have no idea. We didn't. We didn't win. It was like, it was one of the worst performing decks of all time. Yeah. I mean, it couldn't have been as and bad. And that was the rock in that turn. The, and, that was the most played deck. I, and that was another reason why I regret my career because I basically convinced my teammates the deck was good, and I just lied to them. I'm like, I I didn't really test it. And like the other thing was <laughs> like nobody played games. In, in, in no, like we played games, but like Eugene hated playing against me in testing because I'd always cutting wish, and my side would be like 25 cards. It'd be whatever card I needed in that particular so, matchup. So he was well, just like, you, that you have to figure out what you want. And I'm like, I don't know yet. I and agree then, with you. you know, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, if you test with Brian Kibler, his, uh, his, in, in like the nascent version of playtesting, his, his mana base is always 25 pain-free City of Brass. Yeah. That's like how he does it. And I kind of like that. And then like, if, he, if the deck works, then he figures out the mana base afterwards, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, sometimes he just doesn't, and then you see some of these Brian Kibler mana bases, which are... <laughs> the deck he built... I love Brian Kibler the most of anyone who would say that he is the worst at mana bases. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know what? You know why he made the green white Megamorph deck last year? Because he wanted to have a deck with a good mana base for once, <laughs> and he did. And it ended up being a great. Do deck. you remember the deck he built for the uh, Osaka? Osaka, when so, they had that the Osaka Pro Tour Osaka. For those of you interested in Magic history, was the first time a group of pros got together in a house before a Pro Tour and tested. And it was by and far they, one of the biggest failures. And they ended up with the deck. So their casting costs included blue, blue blue black and red 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 and red red and red yeah a lot of a lot of fiery tempers there and was, the mana in that format was horrible it was all filter lands you yeah. could actually have like four lands to play and not be able to tap for a mana yeah that's uh, <laughs> to give you an idea like the, the best deck in that format was a mono black deck because it had great mana <laughs> it was just swamps and cabal coffers well the deck that won the pro tour was a, actually a relatively poor green blue madness deck but it yeah. had tainted citadel yeah which is a which is which a land is, tells which you is how a, bad the which mana is a was. city of brass that instead of tapping for one damage when you tap it, it taps for three damage when you tap it. <laughs> I top eighted that pro throw with another Andrew Cuneo deck, Psychotog. He was the only person to figure out Psychotog was good, just blue black without evil. And he had zombie invasion in Cyborg. Cuneo is amazing. Cuneo is honestly top 10 deck builder. He didn't make the list. Should have. Did, did you make the list? I made, I think, top 30 or something. I don't, I don't know. know. I think I, I was on. Me. I remember I was on the list, but Cuneo, I think, is just like. Probably top ten deck votes. I, I made I made the list. What happened was, the last two votes came in. I would have been I would have been cleanly, like I would have been cleanly one ahead. But then I tied for ninth because the last two votes that came in, uh, Adrian Sullivan didn't vote for me. It was the last vote that came in, and Adrian didn't How's vote he for thinking? me. And How's that he was like, the one vote that like made me so that I was tied for for ninth instead of like cleanly eighth. And then there's a funny thing was I redid my ballot. And I took my vote for Saito away. <laughs> really? Yeah. I removed my vote for Saito. And Patrick's like laughing. And I'm like, why? He's like, because Saito voted for you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm better than him. <laughs> he should vote for me. <laughs> I'm in rarefied air because two of my top eights, my decks were built by Cuneo. And then Tron, it was like you and Cuneo. I had both you guys. How was I not top eighting that tournament Sorry. with a constructed deck built by Cuneo and Flores? So, don't get me wrong. I, I love Saito's deck design. I, I think he's one of my favorite deck designers. But at the time when we were doing the write-ups mm -hmm. for like all the top 10, um, so you're just like, all right, you need to help me with the write up on Saito. Like, what are all the, what are this notable Saito decks? And I said three zoo decks. Yeah. And it's just like, no, no, really. What? Are, I'm like, no, no. These are the notable Saito decks, right? Because like one of them got rejected because it was actually him just playing Michael Jacobs deck from the previous week. Right? It was like <laughs> Michael Jacobs deck from the previous week, and then three zoo decks. It was, it was like Naya Zoo, 
different nights because you won consecutive Grand Prix. Yeah. We had Nyazu and then like Reliquary. Like one of them was like the cattle Nyazu and then it was Reliquary Nyazu. And then the Bant Zoo that Andre used to exo the extended portion when he won when he won worlds mm -hmm. were the were the Cytodex admissions. <laughs> it's just like it's just three zoo decks and one of them is just one of them is just Kibler's deck from Dallas with Bant Charm instead of uh, instead of a uh, Yeah. Um, but uh, you still have punishing to put, fire. I'm like, yes, that's correct. Yeah. These are the Sido decks. You probably still have to put him in top ten. He's gas. Top five. Yeah. I mean, he's I, like he does a, he does stuff that nobody else does. That's one yeah. of the things I'd say about if him. If he didn't cheat, he'd probably be slam dunk all of him. He's the thing that's weird is he's really good. Like I hate it when people are really good and then they cheat and then you're like, yeah. I mean, even if it's just like dumb stuff, right? I'm, I don't know. I. I, it's hard to take a moral position on this. I know. You know like, you're just like, well, it's, if it's just time management, is that really a negate on his skill? Yeah, it is, because you win games I don't think it, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's just time management with him, though. But. I, I, like, I've never seen him. Like, I can't. I can't say him. Oh, no, he cheats. I mean, and like, <laughs> he definitely cheats. He's, like, totally one of my heroes from the other vector, so it's, it's so hey, hard you for can, me. Yeah, you could be a great deck builder, a great player, and still cheat. Like, they're not mutually exclusive. You think you could be a great player and still cheat? Of course. There's great players in the whole fame that cheated. <laughs> Come on, what are you? What, what are you? A fresh off the boat? Fresh. <laughs> fresh. That's racist. <laughs> uh, all right. You gotta go see your fiance. Yeah, she's uh, making me meatloaf. Oh, that's good. You I know, know that in meatloaf, a crock pot. Meatloaf is uh, Hall of Famer William Baby Huey Jensen's favorite food. I, I find something else to love about Huey every day. The last time I had meatloaf, I was at a restaurant, they had a bunch of stuff on the menu, I ordered meatloaf, I took a picture, and then I tweeted it to Huey, and he's just like, oh my god. The other guys in the, the Peach Garden don't even know this. There's a place called Light Horse Tavern in Jersey City, they have really good meatloaf. It's yeah. like bacon-wrapped meatloaf, it's amazing. They have some bacon-wrapped meatloaf. Oh yeah? yeah. Alright, thanks Osip. Thanks. Um, and so, let's see, what day is it? Is it currently Thursday? Thursday. So, uh... Pro Tour is starting By the now. time this goes up, the Pro Tour will have started, and you'll be able to read Osip's 10th Preacher recap. Preacher was The cast, finale. The finale. Yeah, the finale is really good. So we didn't talk about TV as much as we usually do on Top 8 Magic. Unfortunately, we talked only about Magic. Uh, yeah, I want to I I talk more. Next time you and BDM do one. Well, you know, we're behind because yeah, he went guess. to stupid Australia. Yeah, that's true. He's doing some good work right now. All right. Thanks, Osip. Bye-bye.